The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. So good to have you along with us on another program, Afternoons with Mike. Heard daily here on the Shepherd Radio Network that is actually from Orlando to Gainesville, but in between, and that's where my guest is hailing from, the Ocala slash Oxford area. Uh, Andrew Kropp has been on my program a couple of times before. Andrew is the, the senior pastor at First Baptist Oxford, and they are on our radio stations up in uh, that area and in Gainesville uh, every Sunday morning. They have a, a bit of their church service that's there. Andrew, it's great to have you back. Yeah, great to be back. Thanks for having me, Mike. You know, I've enjoyed having you here. It's not only great to talk with you, and you're a young man in in an older church, which I think is right. fantastic. And part of the reason, part of the timing in having you come back is the fact that you're looking right now at another homecoming coming up this Saturday. Yeah, yeah, we're excited for it. This year we are celebrating... 144 years that the Lord has blessed our church to be in the community. 144 years. That is so cool. Now, I, I guess it would have been three years ago that I was able to join you yes. uh, for the first of those homecoming celebrations. Mm-hmm. Was that the first one you had done? No. Let's see. It was back in... Well, and I've been here since 2015, so I was there when they were celebrating. I think that would have been okay, 136 so you, or something okay, like so that. Okay, so you've done one of these so, every so year I've been, Yep. Yeah. So every year we celebrate uh, the Lord blessing us to be in the community. Yeah. We call it homecoming because we invite back all those former members and leaders, and we say, hey, come back. You are a part of this. Let's celebrate what God has done. So every yeah. year we try and take time to praise God for his goodness to us. And that's what yeah. homecoming is. So every year we do this, we I, celebrate. I just realized it was two years ago that I that I joined you for the first time because this is our third one. So, uh, and at that one, two years ago, which would have made it in 2021, we were blessed to be able to hear and she's coming back for the third time now since then, Lauren Talley. Yeah, that's right. We're excited to, to have Lauren back, to have you back. Uh, we talk about it a lot that you and Lauren are basically becoming honorary church members of First Baptist Church of Oxford. <laughs> well, there you go. I'll so. take that. <laughs> I love it. Well, that was my first time to ever hear Lauren, although I've heard her family, uh, the singers, I mean, they're so well known, uh, featured on most of the Gaither reunion uh, videos from years back. Lauren literally grew up singing gospel music with her, her family on the road. Yeah, and uh, and I'll admit that I didn't know a lot about Lauren Talley before I came to the church. I didn't know a lot about Southern gospel music. I've been learning more and more. So it was the first time I had heard her sing. I had heard some of her songs before yeah. after getting yeah. to the church, but being able to hear her in person and to hear her story and the things that the Lord has done through her is really powerful. So she's a she's a great believer, a great musician, and oh it's my. special. What special. a singer! Yeah. yeah, yep, and very very fun person too. She's got that Southern charm. And a wit that I know was just honed in her many, many times. It'd be very interesting to know how many concerts she's done. But when you're traveling full time the way they did, these gospel quartets, it's not uncommon for them to have well over 300 concerts a year. Yeah, and that's I'd, true. I bet the tallies did that. You know what? I'm going to ask her this year I, how many yeah, they normally do. I'm going to ask her how many she does now. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're right. It's probably I, around 300. I, I doubt she's doing that many now. People don't do that as much as they used to do it. but uh, And I think that's probably for the betterment of their families. Mm. <laughs> so, But it's a fun thing. The tallies uh, basically were primarily the husband and wife. And then they had a couple of kids. Uh, I think a son that played, I believe, for them. And then Lauren, I, I saw one of her early concerts when she was just a little girl and she could sing even then. Mm. But they, again, they did a wonderful job of training her and uh, she loves the Lord. Her testimony is always great. So two years ago, I was privileged by you to be invited and to be the MC, And that's what I'm going to be doing this year. So the details, uh, give us those details about Saturday night. Yeah, so Saturday night, and we're grateful to have you back with us. It's always fun to have you emceeing the event. Thank so you. Saturday night, we are going to have uh, Lauren Talley. And before she comes on the stage, uh, we're going to have 
Faith's Call, which started yes. at First Baptist Oxford. That was our former worship pastor, Richard Alderman, started this group with his daughter, Emma, and one of their family's best friends, Dory Height. Yeah. And so they started this uh, trio for Southern Gospel Music. Last year, they were nominated uh, with Southern Gospel Music as a fan favorite artist. They Isn't received that, that nomination. Just a really, really talented group. And so they, uh, they kicked off their ministry together at the church. Uh, this this Sunday, excuse me, the Saturday's concert is really their farewell concert together as a group, and they're touring, and we're excited to have them. So they're going to kick things off. Uh, then we'll bring Lauren Talley to the stage. She'll sing for us. We're going to share the gospel. And so we're very excited to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ. So, of course, we're going to celebrate the Lord yeah. and everything he's done. And then for anybody there who doesn't know what Jesus has done for them, we're excited to share that truth. Details. Tickets needed? No tickets needed. We're going to take up a love offering. Uh, during the concert, so mm-hmm. tickets aren't needed. The doors are open at 5.30. 5.30. So, yep, yeah. 5.30. No assigned seats, so just encourage people as soon as the doors are open to get in there and get the best seats. That's awesome. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing not only Lauren, but also Faith's Call, uh, Richard, Emma, and Dory. They are tremendous, and yes. I know Lauren had a, a hand in even helping them get connected uh, with their album that they did, which is really good. Yeah, they've done a great, and I think they just released, not too long ago, they released their second album. Oh, so I they, didn't know that. Yeah, so they've put out a lot of really, really great music. I'm excited for everybody to get a chance to hear them live again. Wow. I think the church is very excited to hear them perform. Richard's quite a singer. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yes, he is. The The first time before before he was on staff, he was invited to just, just as a singer. Yeah. We were looking for a, a worship pa- pastor at the time. Somebody knew him and his family. They invited him. Yeah, you just come visit our church, First Baptist Church of Oxford. And then they said, well, you need to sing a solo when you come. And he sang What It Takes to Be a Savior. And I remember sitting there, and he just he knocked my socks off. It was incredible to hear him yeah. sing. And somebody said, hey, you should ask him to apply for the worship pastor. And I said, hey, that guy's not going to come here for a, <laughs> for, a, for, a, for a part-time job is what we were, yeah, what we were offering. Right. But uh, the Lord had other plans, and He came and just did an incredible job in the ministry there. Yeah, quite nice. a quite a powerful singer. But he's you, you said that his uh, daughter Emma is now kind of stepped in in an interim basis. Is correct, that? correct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So Pastor Richard stepped down a little bit earlier this year to pursue some other things, and his daughter Emma, who's also been a part of our worship and praise yeah, team, and right. again, like we mentioned, part of Faith's Call. She it was a very easy transition for her. She stepped in as our interim worship leader, and she does a really great job uh, at a young age. Just how she can lead worship and and lead the church, and that has been a really special thing to see. She so you mentioned job. now you're a young guy too, and you mentioned that you weren't that familiar with like the tallies or mm-hmm. Southern gospel music, and I just wondered what was your favorite kind of music when you were growing up. Wow, what was my favorite kind of music? So I listened as a kid. I, I did listen to contemporary Christian music. All right, as a kid there we go. Up. Yep, that's right. And then uh, probably DC Talk. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, yeah, love DC Talk. Love some of those other uh, groups, Cross Movement, and some other ones. My older brother, when I was a kid, he got involved in a local Christian rap group when I was a kid up north. I, I grew up in Maryland, and so he really turned me on to Christian rap and listening to guys like John Rubin and some uh, other older. Uh, now artists who had been in that genre of music. So that was one that I, I grew up in too. And then again, a lot of contemporary Christian music. Those were my my big music influences yeah. as I was growing up. That's it. Now, so did you listen to Switchfoot back in the day? Was that... Sure, yes. Okay, Switch that would be one another of them good as well. Yep. Yeah, I was never into rap. Now, I grew up, I'm, I'm just a, a slight bit older than you, Andrew. <laughs> Just a little bit. So back when I grew up, Southern God, this is funny, Southern gospel music was contemporary Christian mm. music back in the day. I mean, there was no, uh, until we had the Jesus movement happen in the 70s, um, Southern gospel music would have been what all young people listened to mm. who were believers. So they had their fan favorite quartets or, or family groups like the Goodmans. And that's, and that's what I grew up doing. And I was a, a guitar player for one up in Indiana. And so I traveled around with them. That's how I met my wife. Really? I didn't know that. Her, my wife was singing in a, uh, a, like a little trio out of Henderson, Kentucky. I lived across the river in Evansville, Indiana. And on this particular night, her band was the front group for our band in Tell City, Indiana. And uh, Cindy was there, and I saw her for the first time. 
And the rest, as they say, is history. Wow. <laughs> wow. I've been blessed to hear you strum a little bit on the guitar. I think uh-huh. you did it for us at one of the homecomings. You might yeah, have played in the background. Yeah, I think yeah. so, a couple times. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're a talented musician. Well, maybe thank maybe you. we'll be able to convince you to play uh, play this weekend. Oh, you twist my arm, man. Yeah, yeah that's, that's right. right. That's yeah, right. That's Good. It. We'll plan on it. <laughs> okay. But anyway, that, uh, that kind of music obviously changed Jesus, uh, the Jesus movement. Uh, brought uh, singers like Larry Norman and Second Chapter of Acts and other other bands in. Music began to get much more rocky and contemporary, mm-hmm. and then ultimately moved toward what you were discussing earlier as rap. A lot of us older people uh, still look at that and kind of scratch our heads just a little bit um, uh, on it. There's a lot of older people still will not listen to that, but there are some very talented rappers out there. I mentioned mm-hmm. DC Talk, Toby Mac is one yes. of my favorites yeah. and i i think he made for believers he made the rap thing happen in my mind i'm all, yeah. almost single-handedly yeah no he, i think you're right he was one of the big front runners and yeah people point to different people who have made a big impact on christian rap and things like lecrae and some other people who oh my kind of paved the way for yeah. other uh christian rappers to start doing what they do yeah. and and that continued for me as I got involved in sports and basketball. Rap is very big and hip hop is very big in the basketball culture. Oh, it is because like they play it. You know, mm-hmm. that's what you hear at most NBA games. Yep. It is the rap music that's yep. there. And so you got to, if you don't love it, you're still going to be familiar with it if you watch sports in this day and age. So, Andrew, it's really, again, a joy to have you here. Why don't, for the benefit of our listeners, and then we're going to be talking about some. Uh, some things that have to do not only with our current day and age, what we're facing, but um, also just the the importance of the word. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on and some of the themes that we believers need to be aware of in this day because mm. these are tough times that we're yeah. living in right yeah, now. Absolutely. And yet there's a great need for hope. And I know that every Sunday morning when you stand up at First Baptist Oxford, you're standing up with the, the greatest message of hope that ever was. So tell us, remind us a little bit about your own background, how it is that you got called into ministry. Sure, yeah. So I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home, and so something that I've always been very grateful for. We were in church all the time. My my parents, I got to see them witness to people and lead people and use their spiritual gifts to serve the Lord and serve His people in church. They were very faithful to to tell us the truth of God's Word. So at a, at a young age, when I was five years old when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, continued to, to have that influence from my parents. And it was when I was in high school that I started to to see the the way the Lord was leading to me one day to to some career in ministry, to some some calling there. At the time, I didn't know what that would be. I went to a, a Christian school, and so we would have chapel. And they gave me a chance a couple times towards the end of middle school, beginning of high school, to lead chapel. Oh, and so to, you spoke there. Yeah, so I got a chance to read the Bible, and then share it share it with my classmates. And that's when I first found the love for getting to do that, which is reading it on my own and studying it, and then sharing with others those, those applications and what the Lord had taught to me. And that instilled that love for, for sharing God's Word in my life, given mm-hmm. a few more opportunities in high school. So began to, to see that the Lord was leading me in that direction, went to, to Bible college, and the whole time wrestled with it. Like, now this this isn't what you're calling me to, Lord, because being a pastor is for perfect people, which I realized when he confirmed that was his call, that <laughs> pastors clearly aren't perfect yeah, people if that's, that's what I'm doing. That's so, one of the most important things though, to learn right there. Right, is, yep. And if you do find the perfect church, the moment I would go there, it's not perfect anymore, so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if anybody finds it, I want to go there too, but you're right, it won't be perfect. It won't be perfect, that's so. right. It's It's just impossible. Yep. But isn't it funny how people grow up just like you, and they have this in the back of their mind. Maybe it's not front burner stuff, but it's in the back of their mind that you have to be either good enough mm-hmm. or qualified by your actions or maybe lack of other actions in your life. You've kept yourself. You've done things. You're not. And yet the Bible says we've all sinned right. and fallen short of the glory of God. Right. So there's no way anyone who's in ministry is ever going to be there because of the the token of their goodness. It's right. just not there. Right. And so one of the things we talk about as a staff at our church now is when we pray a lot of times together, we'll, we'll rejoice that God uses broken people like us to serve his people yeah. and to serve him. That's something we should rejoice yeah, in. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, there was a song out years ago. You you probably have not heard it. It's probably too long ago. 
But uh, a guy, uh, his name was Mike Murdoch, sang a song that I've never forgotten. And it was called, I want to spend my life mending broken people. Mm. And I, I think that is the call that all of us have who have been in ministry of any form at all, is that we have to realize that we are all broken. We all need the Lord. And we're just one beggar helping another beggar right. learn how yeah. to fish. I mean, that's that's what we're doing. Yeah. And so this uh, this thing about being broken is it's a widespread call, mm-hmm. and you get to do that every day. And yeah. how cool it is that you learn to do that and learn to have a love of doing that when you were in chapel. That was great. Those... Yeah. Yeah, big blessing uh, yeah. from God in my life to be able to grow up in that and, and develop that love early on. Yeah, absolutely. I always love to ask this question of uh, guys who are in ministry. What would be the most embarrassing moment if you could share it or if you think of oh, one boy. that you've had in ministry, what would that be? What would be the most embarrassing moment? Like there... the moment when you look back and you go, I just need a Southwest getaway right now. <laughs> <laughs> I need the floor to open up underneath me and let me fall in. Well, there have been a lot of mistakes I've made <laughs> and I'm very grateful to be in a church with a lot of grace. Yeah. But the things that I think about and to other people, maybe it's not a big deal, but the things that I think of and, and still make me cringe and I just want to crawl under a rock and, and I say, wow, if I could go back, I'd really love to change that. Uh, both of them have to do with when I was speaking. Uh, one was at a funeral and another was, was in a sermon. And at a funeral, one was that I was sharing some stories about an individual and it was just that off the cuff, I used the phrase, the final nail in the coffin in the story. And I yeah. realized how Probably not the right setting. Not the right that, setting. Not the right phrase. time. Yeah, right. And I remember as soon as it came out of my mouth, being so embarrassed that I said that. And I moved past it, and we continued with the service yeah. and uh, <laughs> and everything. But every time I think about that, I say, "Wow, I, I I really need to be more careful with what I say." It's really bad if they if the uh, wife of the bereaved or the husband of the bereaved would break out in tears. That is true, and that would just be horrible. Yes. But... So I tried not to look directly at him when I said that. Uh, the the uh, the husband who was there. So that's one thing that I would love to to have done differently. Uh, another was, and this has really taught me to choose my words carefully also with even just presenting theology, but it's one of those things that I had a lot of people point out. So you always have people who, you know, will tell you things that <laughs> didn't make sense or they could have gone better. Even if you didn't want to have that critique. Even right? if you didn't want to have that. And and in a lot of critiques, of course, there's there's yeah. elements of truth. So that's it's good right. for us to... Uh, um, Soft hearts and thick skin is what we say at our church for ah, the leaders. We need to have soft hearts and thick skin. That's good. I like that. And one of the sermons that I had preached, I was just talking about how we belong to God. And I said several times, we are gods. We are gods. Saying that we belong to him. <laughs> well, That's possessive. not what they... Right. Possessive. possessive. <laughs> People are saying, was he saying we're divine now? We're all, we're all our own gods? So... <laughs> I had to have great. some conversations with people after that. So those are two, again, some people hear that and say, wow, that's, uh-huh. you know, that's not that big a deal. But to me, those are things that have stuck out. And surely there are a host of people who could point to bigger things that I've done that are bigger mistakes. But those are the two I think about most. I think some of the other mistakes I've been able to uh, to hand over to the Lord a little easier. And that's right. like, like I said, our uh, our church has a lot of grace um, for Thankfully, the, yes, yeah, that's yes, good. I'm very great, thankful I, for that. I think every church uh, needs to have grace toward their pastors. We've just come through the month of October, which is Pastor mm-hmm. Appreciation Month. I'm sure that uh, your church appreciates you, my man. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, um, and they have uh, loved on me and my family the whole time we have been there. Uh, there's never been a doubt in our mind how much they they love and they support us. So it's made us fall deeper and deeper in love with this church day by day. That's wonderful. Andrew Kropp is my guest. He is from First Baptist Oxford, and we'll be back with him in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years' experience, EC Waters is a top-trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. 
All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Andrew Kropp is my guest. He is the senior pastor of First Baptist Oxford. We're talking during the break about loving what you do. And, and you know, there's an old adage that says, if you have a job doing something you love to do, you never work a day in your life. And I think that's really true. I think that as difficult, now we both know, I was in ministry for 36 years. I, I know that it's not an A, it's not easy. And B, it's not like it's free from any difficulties at all. Mm. Uh, and three, you are dealing sometimes with problems, most of the times with problems that are bigger than you. Yeah. And, you know, all three of those things can sometimes come together in a perfect storm situation. Mm. And it's like, well, I don't know how in the world I'm going to deal with this or whatever. And you go to prayer and God is so faithful. He always yeah. leads us through those things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sometimes it does feel that just the the weight of things is is really heavy, yeah. and uh, learning to you're right, just go to the Lord in prayer, throw those throw yeah. those at His feet, yeah, is, uh, is an important thing for us. You know, I was uh, here, here. I heard a story about cast, and there this is really uh, an important scripture that Peter gives us about casting our care upon the Lord, and I think that's important. I I really do believe that with all of the struggles that a pastor can have, I still believe that if you're called and you know you're called, you you're, couldn't do anything else and be happy about yeah. it. And yeah. I know that would be true for you. But boy, what a privilege it is for a pastor to be able to cast those problems at the feet of the Lord, knowing that he cares for you. Yeah, and I think the challenge, not just for pastors, but for, for every Christian, I think the challenge we have and I believe it was Vernon McGee who once once said this, Jay Vernon McGee, that he's he's good at going to the Lord and casting his prayers at God's feet. The problem is, as soon as he says Amen, he picks them right back up. So I think the <laughs> challenge for a lot of us is, yeah, when we've casted yeah. them at His feet, learning to trust trust Him with those That's things right. is the challenge that I think all of us as believers need need to learn to grow in. Certainly, I know that's something that I've I've had to grow in myself, which is, Lord, I'm laying these things at Your feet. Teach me to keep them there. Yeah. Teach me to really trust you with them. So yeah. it's a challenge for us. So I've got uh, a request of you today, Andrew. Okay. Put your pastor's hat on, and that's what we're going to be doing these next little uh, bits that we're going to be talking about here. Uh, there are a lot of problems facing America today, mm -hmm. and we're seeing a new one, and I'd love your thoughts on this. Uh, and this has to do with the people that we see that are our leaders. I think of Mike Johnson, the new mm -hmm. Speaker of the House, and he is just getting filleted in the news media mm -hmm. right now because of his faith. Right. And, and I'm just wondering, you're a young guy. When you see this kind of thing happening, mm -hmm. what does that do to you? For me, it, re it reminds me that the, the Christian faith is certainly not as prominent as it once was in the eyes of many people in our country. It's well said. Even even when I was a kid, I remember that there was more respect for the Christian faith than there is today in all circles of life, mm -hmm. whether it's the public school system or uh, the leadership of public officials and things like that. And it's it's a reminder for me, and the thing I try and remind members at uh, the church I serve at is it needs to be a reminder for us. So we've been commanded in Scripture to pray for government leaders, to pray for those in positions of authority. We need to pray for them. Uh, and so we try and regularly make the practice that we're going to pray for the salvation of government officials. We're also going to pray that they would act with with wisdom. They would do what is right and just in God's sight. And so it's because it can be a frustrating and a discouraging thing for us mm -hmm. as Christians when we see somebody in some form of leadership stand up and say what's right, something that would please the Lord or something that is is from Scripture, and then to just get persecuted by people for it. And that needs to be our reminder to to pray for for the faith and strength of those who are in positions of leadership, because they they might stand you know few and far between as far as believers who are in those positions, but to pray for everybody in in government positions. We need to pray for our leaders as Christians, and we need to do that every single day. So, what do you do, and how do you help people in your congregation when you're talking to them about things like uh, the current events that are going on in our government? pulling aside the whole war in Israel right now, but 
uh, just say things in our own nation. We know there are problems. Mm -hmm. We've got some serious problems at the border. We've got other issues of uh, just the morale of the military Mm -hmm. after Afghanistan, things like that. Then you've got inflation, which has just been probably the big story Mm -hmm. for the last couple of years. How do you advise people in their attitudes towards our leaders? Because we're called, like you said, to pray for them. Right. And yet many times we don't want to pray for them. Right. We, we want to put them on a log and run them out of town. Yeah. <laughs> I think we do struggle at times, yeah. especially when we're feeling the pressure of things. And so one of the ways that I encourage them is to, and, and it's one of the things I'm going to preach on this Sunday too, is on Psalm 139, where the psalmist, where David talks about, how God knows. God knows everything. God knows our thoughts. He knows our ways. He knows the things that we're going to say before mm-hmm. we even say them. He knew us in the womb before before we were even born. He knew us before we were in the womb. God God knows everything. Because of that, we can trust him in the times that are uncertain for ourselves. We can trust that he has, he has a plan. He has a purpose. These things don't catch God off guard, even though they catch us off guard. That doesn't always make it easy for us to trust him, but that needs to lead us to trusting him more mm-hmm. and more. And then I found that a, a helpful thing is it's easy to tell people, hey, you just you know go pray for those people who who you're having a hard time with, who your attitude's not right towards. I think the important thing for us to do when we know that truth is to to lead people. In other words, if I say, hey, we need to pray for our government officials, even if maybe it's coming off a day where yeah. something's happened that's hard for us, pray for them first, and say, and I'll go first, you know, and pray for our own attitudes. And I love that in our Wednesday night prayer meeting, I've seen believers do that where they'll open up in prayer and i've i've heard other christians say you know father i just have had a terrible attitude and i i ask that you'd forgive me for that change my heart towards these people yeah now i want to pray for them and and i've i've seen believers do that and and i've looked and said wow what a great example to me and to others that that when we find that we've had a bad attitude we need to ask the lord to change our hearts towards them as we prepare to pray for them and so that's that's a lesson I've learned too from from our own members as they've they've done that. I think that it's very inspiring for a pastor to be inspired by his congregation like mm. that. I think when he hears a member of his church uh, say something that you know it can surprise a pastor that it mm. applies so deeply and so personally as yeah. it does. But I that's happened to me many times. Yeah. I'm just so thankful for people that are, uh, you know, really doing it in a real way, uh, in a way that I'm not and right. way that I need to grow in. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and as pastors, and you, and you know this, we, we have to recognize that there's so much that we can grow in. There's so much yeah. that our faith needs to grow. And I love when there are a lot of believers who they don't want to pray or they don't want to share things um, because maybe they're embarrassed. They don't know how they're, but, but you don't always realize how your testimony, your honesty with God in prayer, how your honesty with how your walk is going, how it impacts people around you and how your willingness to be open and honest with God in prayer around others, how your yeah. willingness to say what's going on in your life or to ask questions about scripture, how that helps others grow in their faith. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm encouraged by the believers who are willing to do that. Have you found this to be true in your own life and maybe at your church where the things that you preach about that would be reflective of maybe an area that you failed in mm-hmm. or maybe are growing in, mm-hmm. that seems to be picked up and, and as helpful as any of the best preaching you've ever done. Have, have you ever experienced that? Where if I'm preaching on something I'm struggling with, it, it, it helps and impact you, people more? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen that. I would say though that ever I feel that every week when I preach something and I have somebody who might say, "Wow, you know, that was really, you know, the spirit convicted me on that." And I always tell them that makes two of us because, you know, <laughs> you know when you prepare yeah. it, God works on your heart all week. Yeah. All all week on it. Um, but uh but you're right. On those weeks where I say, "Wow, this this is really God's really getting after me on this one. He's really really convicting me." And I might even go in prepared to preach it thinking, this isn't going to matter for anybody else. Yeah. It really matters for me. And you're right. It might not be that the whole congregation comes up and says, that's what we needed. But sometimes there's that one person who says, you know what? I'm right there. And that yeah. was, I felt like that was for me. And it's encouraging to say, well, it wasn't just for you. Yeah. It's for me too. That's right. But I think that you're absolutely right that yeah. there's, there's something about that. Our senior pastor for years would talk about the fact that he was convinced people learn more 
about his own shortcomings and failures that he would Mm -hmm. admit and confess from the pulpit than just about anything else that he ever said. And I think there is uh, that commonality that happens when you identify with somebody and you feel like they are feeling your pain. And I think that's something that can happen and does happen a lot. Here's a next question then for you is you've got your pastor's hat on and you're, you're confronted with a need that a family has and the, the kid's are immersed. Now, I know this doesn't apply to anybody at First Baptist Oxford, I'm sure. But the kids are immersed in social media and their screens, and the parents are probably doing more uh, than they realize in the same area. Mm. Uh, How do you encourage families to kind of break out of the screen? Mm. Yeah, I think a, a great encouragement for families in that is to encourage that they would start setting aside intentional time together, everybody together, where they do something without without the phones, put all the screens down, turn the TV off, get away from the computers, and whether it's hey we're gonna we're gonna read the we'll do a family devotion, we'll yeah. read the Bible together, or we're gonna eat we're gonna eat our meals, and this is something my wife is very big into is that hey when we sit down at the table to eat together there's there's no TV we're not there's no screens there's nothing like that uh, she and I aren't gonna pull out our phones if somebody's texting us this is. This is time that we're just going to have together. This is time we're going to connect with each other as a family. Yeah. And then uh, encourage people to do things like that and things like, again, set aside intentional time. And for some people, if they're really finding that they just, they can't put it down, they can't, you know, they might need to start smaller. It might need to be, hey, t- for 10 <laughs> minutes a day, you're going to yeah. do this as a family away from the screen. And then just build that time more and more so that the screens become a little less important so that we can focus on what's more important in life. You know, I uh, I will never will forget my son in Texas, we were visiting him and there were some other people there and we were getting ready to have a meal. And he and his wife, Beth, they passed this basket around mm. and the basket was for all phones. I like that. And I, I thought, what, 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 wait, what, wait a minute. And what I was feeling was the struggle mm. of giving my own phone away and I'm shocked. I was, I was surprised as how that affected me. Mm. And I thought, this is what happens with kids when they feel like they're being separated from their telephones. They're yeah. losing connection to their peers and maybe what's going on. And there's this addiction that I believe that most people have yeah. to their phones that we they, don't realize, and they don't they don't know they're an addict. Yeah. But they need to go on a, a self-help program or something. Right. But I discovered that I was a lot more tied to my own phone. Mm. And the times that I would glance down at that screen when I wasn't even aware of it. Mm. So the phone now is not in my pocket. It's not on the the, the uh, table in front of me. It's in a basket. And I was shocked, honestly, I'm embarrassed to even say it, Andrew, how often during that meal I glanced over at that thing. Wow. Yeah. It, it was shocking to me. Yeah. But that problem is big. I think you're right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's a big problem. I mean, we are, we need to be separated more from the yeah. social media than we, we even realize. I think that you're right. Uh, a few years ago, I I got rid of social media. So not, not necessarily worried, talking screens, but social media, for example, I decided, well, I'm going to get off Facebook. I'm going to get off everything. So I don't have those those accounts anymore. And it, it was strange not to have it. But as time went on, I realized how much time it saves. How oh, much, my goodness. How, and how much anxiety yeah. goes away. You know, it's freeing to step away from those things. And I'm not saying that everybody has to do that. But I do think that sometimes having having a season away yeah. or just learning to take those breaks during the day, I think it's good for all of us, good for, good for our, our mentality, too, that we're not constantly looking at these other things is, is a good thing for us. So I agree that completely. Restraint is good. You know, and there are aspects of it that they're a really, uh, it's almost like inviting you to become addicted, like the videos that they put on some of these social media things. And there is like an invitation into your home about all mm-hmm. sorts of sensuality, because believe me, they're not watching out for the moral state of your heart right. or your mind, right. these people that are putting this out there. So it is so critical. I think, and and oftentimes we hear this for young people, I don't think enough is being said about the need that moms and dads and grandmas and granddads all have as well about making sure we're mitigating this thing rightly. Yeah, I think that you're right. And and considering 
the age at which kids are getting onto social media and, and like you've been saying, the length of time that they spend on it. I always thought it was a strange thing growing up how when I was when I was a kid, uh, IM was becoming the big thing and instant messenger mm -hmm. and, and getting on. My my parents for a long time said, No, you can't, you know, we don't want you to have that. And then when I finally had it, it was really limited when I could have it on the family computer. It was the same thing as Facebook came around. They said, We really don't want you on that. As you know, as a kid you think you guys are kind of being a drag right now. You know, mm -hmm. you should you should mm -hmm. just relax. And it's only as I've grown older that I realized, wow, they're really they're keeping me safe from from yeah. a lot of things yeah. that are on social media and from just the the that addiction to it that I got to be on it all the time. And it's it's as years have gone by that I've got a greater appreciation for that. So now when people ask me because I've got very young kids. And I say, yeah, it's going to be a long time before they ever get something yeah. like that. Yeah. So we'll, you know, we'll, we'll continue to, uh, to keep an eye on that uh, ourselves, my wife and I, when they get older, because I know they're going to say the same things that I did. They're going to say it. And I'm, again, I'm at this point, our kids are all out of the house and I'm now much more aware of my own tendencies toward this, uh, addiction of, of checking email you know, I'd, I heard somebody say this. They said, if you really want to know how addicted you are to it, count the amount of times you check your email in a single hour. Wow. And so do that I thought, no, that was, I'm, that, that probably doesn't apply to me. And then, uh, so I, I had to be honest. I, I was doing it multiple times, sometimes, sometimes a couple of times inside a minute. I put yeah. the phone down. And without thinking, I would pick my phone back up and check just to see, is there a, one of those little red circles with a one in it, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I would, I had to admit, my goodness, this is a bigger problem in my heart and my life than I realized. And, you know, until you come down and admit that you've got an issue. So I'm like you, I, I took Facebook and Instagram mm -hmm. off my phone. Yeah. Because yep. I just, I felt like it, you know, it's not like I'm just staying away from it. I'd like to think that was the, the best way I could describe it. No, the best way that I could describe it is I just don't trust myself with mm. it because I can waste way too much time looking through worthless stuff. Right, right. Yeah, it's easy for us to say, no, I'll be disciplined with yeah. it. You know, I'll, I, I won't go overboard. And one time I looked on, because you can see in, in your phone, at least I've, I I can on the iPhone, you can go to your settings and you can see your screen time. You can see yeah. how long you've spent. Yeah, there you go. And to see the length of time you spent on some things, because I, you, you mean I spent an hour and a half of my day yeah. on social media that I could have been spent with my family or, or working or doing something. So it's it's eye-opening when you really look at it. But I think the average kid today spends like seven, eight hours a day on, on wow. social media. And that, or more, I think there are some that do it more. So it's a real problem. And thank you for your suggestions and the things that you are challenging your families to do there at First Baptist is so incredible that uh, we don't have enough people in this mm -hmm. world that are challenging others or even themselves, like, like what I had to do, you know, that this is a problem. We need to stay away from it. We need to mitigate the our time better than what we're doing. Andrew Kropp is my guest. First Baptist Oxford is his church. And we'll uh, be talking a little bit more about that in a moment. When we return, this is Afternoons with Mike. You're on The Shepherd. Pastors and financial leaders, do you need expert accounting or tax help? Do you have payroll or 1099 questions? Do you need a ministry expert to help you acquire real estate for your next project? If the answer is yes, yes, and yes, visit PetraWorldwide.org. Petra Worldwide has been strengthening ministries to transform humanity since 2007. Visit PetraWorldwide.org or call 855-481-9095. Andrew Kropp from First Baptist Church. Do you go by Pastor Andrew? And how do you go by that? Pastor Andrew, Andrew, hey you. Whatever people say, I, I, I'll i respond to. You you uh, don't mind people calling you by your first name then? No, when I first came to the church, I was the pastor to youth and young families, but I hadn't been ordained yet. So a lot of people just called me Andrew. And when my ordination later came, and that, that title of pastor came with it, people were already used to calling me Andrew, and I was, I, I was fine with that. So yeah, I that's, think that's great. Yeah. I think any way that people can relate to you comfortably mm -hmm. is a good thing. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't think it has to be a one and done type of mm -hmm. rule that, you know, you always use the word pastor. No, not always. Call I, me Mike. 
I agree with you. Yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. not too attached to the title. So yeah, uh, I I love it when they when they get my name right. That's nice. Yeah. So uh, that's so right. <laughs> yeah, they don't call you by another guy's name. That's always a good thing. And I get that sometimes. Yeah. So, uh, First Baptist Oxford, and it is going to be the site for homecoming this coming Saturday. Give us those details again. Sure. So this this weekend, we're celebrating 144 years that our church has been in the Oxford community. We're kicking our celebration off on Saturday, Saturday at 6 p.m. at the church. We're going to have a concert that's featuring Faith's Call, which is a local Southern Gospel trio, and featuring Lauren Talley. And then, of course, yourself. You'll be there as our MC. So we are oh, looking I'm forward so to that. excited about it. So that's 6 p.m. The doors open at 5.30. Right. There's no cost to attend, no tickets or anything like that. It's yeah. first come, first serve with seating. We'll take up a love offering during the concert. Uh, we'll be sharing the gospel during the concert, telling people the, the greatest news that we can, which is that Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for them. They powerfully rose from the dead, and he wants to save them from their sins and from that penalty of hell. So that's, that's what we're going to do on Saturday. And then Sunday morning, we'll have our, our worship time together. 10.30 is when our main worship service is where we're really going to celebrate, not just as a church, but we've invited former members and leaders to come back, to come home to their previous home church, just celebrate what God has done over the last 144 years, and then we'll we'll wrap all that up with a time of fellowship. We'll have lunch together right there on the grounds. So that's what we're looking forward to this weekend. How long have you been on the piece of property where you are right now? We have been there since... It was the late 1800s. The church, the church began just a couple miles down the road at where a, where a cemetery is. That's where they first started to gather, but it was very short lived there. And then they moved to where we are now. So almost the entirety of that 144 years. Isn't that something? I yeah. mean, how how often does that happen? Not very often. Right, right. And they've purchased a couple pieces of land that the church owns now over the years, but. That, that main place where we are has, has been where they've been the whole time. And so that auditorium where you meet uh, that is not where the concert's going to be because they, it's in Correct. the fellowship hall, right? Correct, yes, you're Which absolutely right. Which is uh, a building to the right. If you're looking at the face of the building, it's the, going to be the building on the right. And uh, that's what, that's all going to happen this weekend. And First Baptist Oxford, I mean, th- to think any institution that can last that long, mm-hmm. it's got something going good about it, my man. Yeah, absolutely. We we always talk about how it's by God's grace and goodness that we're still here. It's not about ourselves. It's not about boasting about what we've done. It's it's by His goodness that He has allowed this church to remain. Yeah. The church has certainly gone through a lot of tough things over 144 years, so I think it is miraculous that it, that it has remained and that it weathered a lot of really interesting storms over those times. And it's, it's again, it's, it's God's grace that we're still there. I'm so grateful you are. I'm really looking forward to being back um, with your, uh, your church and uh, the friends that I've I've made a couple of friends. Like you've got a guy there that is uh, a um, a chaplain at the prisons. Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I always enjoy getting yeah. to talk with him. And then I don't know if Buddy uh, will be there, but Buddy Shelton was there the last time I was there. Yeah, and, and I don't know if he'll plan to be there. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm, I'm going to have to get in touch with Buddy this week, Buddy and Ruth, and see. But he's been on my program a, a couple of times now, three times, I think. Uh, and what a fun guy he yeah. really is. And I know he's in the area, and he really enjoyed that concert that mm. night when, when we were there. And so it's so much fun uh, to have uh, you know these events where you get to see each other. Right. And I know yeah. for you, that's really got to be fun. Yeah. How many years have you been there, by the way? I've been here for eight years. At eight years. You yep. said that earlier. Okay. Mm-hmm. Eight years. Wow. That's great. Well, I know that this season that we're in right now, we're deep into fourth quarter. October is now over only two more months. Here we are, November mm. one. Hard to believe that yeah. it is uh, already here, but this is also kind of an infamous time of the year for many people. Uh, there's a, a, a sad statistic that talks about how prevalent depression is, yeah. morose feelings, sad feelings. Uh, you know, it comes up this fourth quarter. I, I don't know what the tie is with holidays and Christmas, but you would think it shouldn't be that way. Right. But yet it it is that way that a lot of families have members that are not looking forward as many are looking forward to those family get-togethers for one reason or another. And when I think of that, I think of the word hope and how that having hope in your heart 
it really is a life-changing thing. And uh, I love the old definition that I heard a pastor say one time, that hope was the constant expectation for good. Mm, And I I think that's a really fun way to understand that. Yeah, I like that. So when you look at this, what are some of the things that strike your mind, Andrew, as a pastor, when you think about the need that we all have for hope? Yeah, I think that you're right. This And some of this goes back to the things we've talked about. We see all these things going on in the world, and a lot of people feel helpless. They feel hopeless. Yeah. And so within all of us, there's there are these seasons where we go through this. So we talk about where, where should our hope be found. So especially as we approach this season, my heart as a pastor, the first thing I want to tell people about is the great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And so that's where that's where the gospel comes in. And we always want to share the the gospel with people at our church and in our community. And so if I could briefly do that Absolutely. with your audience. So I think it's important that everybody realize gospel means good news. That's what the gospel is. But we like to tell people that before you can appreciate and understand the good news, you actually have to understand the bad news. And the bad news is that the Bible says that all, all of us have sinned. We've we've broken God's commands. It's what we do when we lie and cheat and steal and lust and take God's name in vain and on and on that dirty laundry list of sins goes. We, we all know we've done bad things. But then we need to understand why our sin is a problem. Our sin is a problem because if God is just and good and holy, then he must punish sin. And the Bible says the just punishment for our sin is that after this life, we'll be separated forever from God in a place called hell. And the Bible also tells us that nothing we do can make up for our sin. No amount of good works or right. going to church or or praying or getting baptized or taking communion is going to save us. That's the bad news. And really, in the end, that means we are we are helpless. And and I think that's where the hopelessness ultimately comes from for all of us is is the separation we have from God. That's when the good news comes in. Mm. And the good news is the Bible tells us that there is a solution. And the solution is that Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, the thing we can't do. Because of that, he was able to step in as our substitute. When he died on the cross, he wasn't dying for his sins because he never committed any sins. He was dying for our sins. He took our punishment. He took the wrath for us. So he died on the cross and he was buried. And then three days later, he powerfully rose from the dead. I don't serve a dead Savior. I serve a living Savior. That's right. And Jesus stands in heaven right right now waiting to forgive people of all their sins, to save them from the penalty of hell, to pardon them from that, and to bring them into his family, to give them eternal life, that guarantee that when this life ends, they'll be in heaven forever with him. And so the Bible's very clear in Romans chapter 10. How do we receive that then? How do we receive that forgiveness, that salvation? Uh, Romans chapter 10 verse 9 says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Uh, Verse 13 says that Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So it's it's by grace through faith that we're saved. It's not about our works. So that's the most important thing we share with people. Where is our hope found? Our hope is found ultimately in Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean that Christians, to, to continue on in what we've we've started talking about, which is this season, people still start to feel some hopelessness. And, and even for Christians, that starts to creep into our hearts for, for a lot of people yeah. for different reasons. They might be going through a time of grief. They might be going through a time of loss. Uh, I don't know the statistics, but there's been studies on the what they're calling the loneliness epidemic in our mm-hmm. country, how loneliness is on the rise for people. In spite of how connected we are right. with uh, social media. Right. And it, it, would, it almost seems that really social media is added to that Yeah, because we live our lives online. But we, we were meant to live in community with other people. And so, again, first we encourage people that your hope is found in Jesus Christ. But when you get into those those times where you feel that loss, that loneliness, when you feel the hopelessness. We have a tendency as people, whether we're Christians or not Christians, we have this tendency to then isolate ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we weren't meant to live in isolation from other people. So I try and remind Christians, hey, you need to be in the body of Christ. You need to be surrounded by other believers. Uh, as Thanksgiving comes, remember what we should be most thankful for, which is our salvation, and praise him with other Christians. Find Find other believers that you can spend time with. The same thing as, as Christmas approaches, that we should find time to be connected with other people who we can uh, find thankfulness with, who we can look to Christ with. And again, that's not me downplaying that there's still people who, even when they're with other people, they still feel, they still feel some right, of that loneliness. Right. They still feel some of that isolation. And again, we recognize the grief side of that too. I think for a lot of people, it's it's brought on by grief. That's why uh, we have we have different groups to help with grief this 
this year we're doing surviving the holidays, which is <laughs> that's something we all need to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, and it's through through the the grief share ministry. We're yeah. partnering with First Baptist Church of Wahoo, and it's it's for people who've experienced loss, and they mm. the and this holiday time is really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, even if they go be and if they're with people, they're thinking about their loved one who's not yeah, there. Right? How do I handle right. that? But again, things like grief share, surviving the holidays, or being a church, they're they're there to to be um, encouragements to us because if we don't have that encouragement, we start to isolate and we start to feel that hopelessness again. So recognize the great hope we have in Jesus Christ. Get into good community and get into Christian community. And for those who are dealing with with deeper things, uh, they might need surviving the holidays, or they might they might need to do um, get into some some Christian counseling too if there are some deeper things that they're dealing with. But community is such an important thing that you would think everybody's going to find that during the holidays. I think some people run from it during yeah. the holidays. Yeah, I think they do. Well, that's very helpful. We have the greatest source of hope in all of the world mm. in the gospel. Yeah. And and yet, like you said, so often even believers who know that and maybe have really excelled at believing that at some point in their life, it's not uncommon at all to go through a period where we get our eyes off. Yeah. And uh, I just think about uh, Peter on that walk on the water that he did mm-hmm. when he was, uh, he took the step and he did what a lot of people wouldn't have done. He stepped off the boat. Right. And for a while, he was walking well until mm-hmm. he got his eyes on the waves mm-hmm. and, and maybe the thoughts that, hey, you can't do this. Right. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> You're walking on water, dude. You can't do that. And then he begins to sink. But even yeah. then, the Lord picks him up yeah. and he finishes the walk. Yeah, you're right. And I I just think that is so important to realize that we can all do what you said. We can all be guilty, but we've got to get that back. And boy, uh, always remembering the, uh, somebody once said, keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's Mm -hmm. the, that's the real goal we need to have. Andrew, it's been so great having you here again, go through the details. Where is the church located? So the church is located on 4060 County Road 108. That's the that's a location there in Oxford, Florida. It's right off of US Highway 301. So we're situated between Wildwood and Summerfield, Bellevue area where where if you're traveling through the villages, you're bound to find us. Yeah. Right near the intersection of US Highway 301 and County Road 466. We're right near there off of uh, off of that main road. That's where people can find us. 4060 County Road 108. That's our main address there in Oxford, Florida. What's the web address? So the web address is fbcoxfordfl.org. So fbcoxfordfl.org is where they can find us online. They can find all the things that we have going on, different events. Saturday night at 6 o'clock, doors open at 5.30. Lauren Talley is our special singer, but also Faith's Call will be there. And that's a group that's been there a couple of times already. And uh, their their home church, they were based out of there for uh, as well. And uh, look forward to seeing them and Lauren and and getting to be with you. I'm honored to be there. So I hope to see all of you guys out there as well. And that again is this Saturday night, First Baptist Oxford. Hope to see you then. Starts at six o'clock. Andrew, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me, Mike. All right. And we'll see you next time, friends, right here on Afternoons with Mike.